His boss had given him an oh-by-the-way that the next day's work at Montana's Department of Labor would include assembling workers' information for an ICE subpoena. Jordan Deardall Roberts had no doubt that ICE would use that data to try to find undocumented workers and boot them out of the country. And he wanted no part of that. So he quit. Now, as the Montana snow turns into spring, Deardall Roberts turns his hand to doing more for those immigrants, heartened by a public response that's gone a long way to restoring his faith in America. So, one day, you're a legal secretary in the Montana Department of Labor, and what, a week later, you're a hero of what people call the resistance. What happened? When I had sent out the tweets discussing why I had quit my job, I kind of thought I was just talking to, like, the 50 or so people on Twitter who I converse with regularly, just sort of letting them know, like, hey, I quit my job, here's why. I sent out that message to my friends, like, yep, I quit my job. And then I turned off my phone and had dinner with my in-laws. And then just before we were about to put my kid to bed, I quickly checked Twitter and something had happened. This had resonated with people. What did you see on Twitter that night? Well, when I turned my phone back on, Twitter was barely functional. When a tweet goes that viral that fast, you can't use Twitter. Your mentions are going so fast that it literally will not load. I got direct messages from all sorts of people words of encouragement, people asking to talk to me about what happened. It was a lot to take in. One of the reasons why I hadn't expected anything to become of this was, one, I had a fairly small audience. And also, I kind of thought this was the plan, right? I mean, everyone talked about, you know, the resistance. I thought that was what we were doing. We were resisting it. And then I was actually presented with the choice. I was like, okay, time to do it. It was a hard decision in that I knew what it meant for my family, but it wasn't a hard decision to actually choose. You made the decision knowing the economic consequences that were likely to befall you. Were you kind of surprised at yourself? No, I couldn't do it. There was no way that I could have lived with myself having done that. I mean, ICE has never been my favorite part of the government, but they've become this entirely different agency under Trump. And so... To have been part of that, to have knowingly handed this information over, knowing what they would do with it, was just not a thing that I could have done. People whose only crime was overstaying a visa or crossing the border or seeking asylum, and they were rounding these people up. And I mean, you'd seen families torn apart. There had also recently been that video of the Border Patrol agents kicking over water that people had left in the desert so asylum seekers could make it to the border. And it wasn't just that they were removing the water. Some of them looked like they were doing it with a sadistic level of glee. And it was like, I can't be part of that. What did you feel when you saw this? Panic. But once I realized what was going on, I realized I kind of had to put that in the back seat and deal with this. Because while people were paying attention, I thought I got to be able to do this to point out what's going on. Because I think a lot of people have been watching this progression with our immigration policy, not necessarily understanding what it means. There was a study talking about people now don't understand what happened in the Holocaust. A recent survey found that about 40 percent of Americans and two-thirds of millennials don't know what Auschwitz was, the most notorious of the Nazi concentration camps. And right now, like, the last survivors of the Holocaust are all dying of old age. This understanding of how 
it doesn't, like, these things don't start with one big move. It's all little steps. And while you can't draw a one-to-one comparison, there are some really uncomfortable historical parallels. You have a historically maligned group being unfairly scapegoated for a nation's ills, and the laws now are being more and more targeted against them. I am going to create a new special deportation task force focused on identifying and quickly removing the most dangerous criminal illegal immigrants in America who have evaded justice. I had been saying for a while before this happened was like, this has started with a discussion about undocumented immigration, but it's not going to stay there. And it hasn't stayed there. You watch there's attacks on work visas, the HB1 visas. It's expanding to be not just simply anti-undocumented immigration, but anti-immigration. You were surprised by the viral nature of your tweets, the responses to them, but also by the fact that people were voting their support for you with their dollars. I was humbled. I received quite a bit of support. And what that has allowed me to do is try to turn this into my job right now. What I'm trying to do is stay on top of immigration news. I had what you might describe as a really rough childhood. It was a lot of chaos. It was a lot of moving around. It was a lot of abuse and neglect. But it's kind of a lesson in radical empathy. So I feel very deeply for people who might feel like they don't have control of their life right now. I understand very intimately what that feels like to not know where you're going to be in a week, to really understand that those in authority over you may not have your best interests at heart. So if I can do something, if I can do anything to make it less awful for people, I'm going to do that. I've been working mostly on trying to organize on the ground with people here in Montana, but the biggest problem is we have a lot more ground than we do people. Montana is a predominantly white state, which means if you're an immigrant, even fully documented, fully naturalized immigrant, you stand out here. So if you step forward in Montana, there's a danger right now for anybody in any state who steps forward. They put a bit of a target on their back. If you step forward, you stand out. And so it really becomes the work of very, very white people like me to try and take some of that heat off those people, trying to get legal counsel trying to organize so that there's a place for them to go. Out of Somerville, Massachusetts, there's this group who set up a text warning system about ICE raids. And so I ended up talking to some of their people to try and figure out what it would take to bring that here to Montana. Because like I said, it's a big state. It's not like you can necessarily mobilize a bunch of people right away to stop someone from being deported. But then we have to figure out a way to help their family in the aftermath. What kind of people were you hearing from? What were they telling you? I got some messages that cut me pretty deep. There were DACA recipients. There were their parents, DACA parents, who I think kind of keep getting kicked in the teeth during this debate because all they were trying to do was get a better life for their family, for their children. And they sort of get villainized. It's like, well, we like these DACA kids, but their parents, you know, they brought them here. There was someone who was the grandchild of Holocaust survivors who said fewer Jews would have died if more people made the choice you did. That leveled me. For the most part, the stuff that really helped me realize that, yes, what I had done was the right thing were the messages like that that said, this is what more people need to do. Do you think more people did do that in the wake of your doing it, setting your example? 
one of the things that has upset me is lack of defections you see from a place like ICE. I think there should have been more people looking at what they were doing and saying, even if you believe that our immigration laws are just, you should understand that they are being unjustly applied. We are going after people who pose no threat. We are going after people who have been here for decades. But every time Trump talks about it, he talks about closing immigration loopholes. But what he refers to as loopholes are just things that allow immigrants to stay. He wants to set quotas for immigration courts so that they will speed up this process, which means he just wants them to deport people, even people who would have a right to be here under our current laws. We have an asylum system for people to be able to come here and say, I cannot return to my home country without threat of dying. I can't imagine that the reaction you got was universally positive. What were the negatives? You know, I got some negative reaction. For the most part, it was overwhelmingly positive. And the negative reactions were fairly toothless. Insults about my character and masculinity and trying to say that my wife was going to leave me. I'm sort of protected because I'm a white guy on the internet. I don't get the same sort of targeted hate campaigns that pretty much anybody else would. Even the -the on-the-ground stuff here in Montana, there are people who disagreed with my politics. But in Montana, I got a lot of this, I don't agree with why you did it, but they could respect what I did, taking a stand on what I believed in. The work that you quit rather than do, it still happened anyway, didn't it? Presumably someone did your job, did that ICE paperwork. What difference do you think it made? I had done was a sort of very personal choice. Now that it's gone viral, I alerted a bunch of people to what was going on. Montana, our undocumented population is 0.3%. Maybe 5,000 people. We had 90 some odd DACA recipients in Montana. So at best, I gave them a heads up that this could be coming. What did you learn about your fellow Americans? I was pretty close to kind of giving up hope on America because we were sort of marching towards this authoritarianism, but realizing that there are a lot of people who are looking for something right now. Everyone is standing in a line waiting for someone to step forward, and you're watching it in the teacher strikes. All you sort of need is the numbers. You get a certain percentage of people to walk out. They can't do anything. The strike in West Virginia that ended, that was a wildcat strike. That was technically illegal. They should all have been fired, but there were so many of them that had they fired everyone who was part of the strike, they'd have no teachers. There was no way they could handle that. What I think I learned is that everyone's waiting for someone to step forward, but if we could all just join hands, step over the line, and say, we're not going to put up with this, there's a lot of us out there who can do that. You have a four-year-old. When the time comes and the question's, what's this all about, Daddy, what do you say? The night I quit, as we were driving home, I'm trying to explain to a toddler things are going to be different. I think my kid is brilliant. But I understand there's certain language things that quite haven't happened yet. So I'm trying to explain that things are going to be a little different. We may have to do things a little differently at home. And I got the famous toddler question, why? (laughs) And I said, I had to make a choice because I didn't want to help break up families. And the response I got kind of turned me into a blubbering mess. Why would anyone want to break up families? And so my kid already gets it. (laughs) My child understands. (laughs) You don't break up families. There's this thing you're supposed to be able to do as a parent where you're supposed to say, do the right thing. And had I just, with the full understanding of the historical context of these words, had I just followed orders, 
I couldn't tell my kid that. I couldn't say, you know, you have to do the right thing, even if it's hard. You have to do the right thing unless it's really difficult and then just fold. Jordan Deardall Roberts, thank you so much for your time and your thoughts. Thank you for having me. Pat Morrison Asks is produced for the Los Angeles Times by Pat Morrison. It's edited and engineered by Mike Heflin and Dave Wine. The music is Superman Es Illegal by Los Hermanos Ortiz on the Puro Norte album. And the clip of candidate Trump is from The Guardian newspaper. Subscribe to Pat Morrison Asks and never miss a podcast.